Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. My life flashes in front of me as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. One of the most life-changing aspects of this experience for many people is what they call their life review. They watch their life replayed in this panoramic vision of every scene, and they see the ripple effect of their little acts of kindness or the things that weren't so kind. They come back knowing that how we treat each other, how we love each other, that's what matters most. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. 22.2% of near-death experiencers have a fascinating phenomenon known as life review. At this time, they may see a part or even all of their prior life. It's often described as flashing before them like on a screen. I saw an image that flashed into my mind, and I was 11 years old, and I was kneeling at a uh, church summer camp. Man, I was sincere. I was reliving every moment. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life, and everything I had did in secret and open, good or bad, everything, every detail of my life was flashing right before me. I'm seeing these, these moments from my life, like I'm watching them. And it was the moments I had with my dad, growing up, throwing the football. My life flashes in front of me, as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. One of the most life-changing aspects of this experience for many people is what they call their life review. They watch their life replayed in this panoramic vision of every scene, and they see the ripple effect of their little acts of kindness or the things that weren't so kind. They come back knowing that how we treat each other, how we love each other, that's what matters most. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad, and Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event impacted this person, that impacted that person, that impacted that person. 22.2% of near-death experiencers have a fascinating phenomenon known as life review. At this time, they may see a part or even all of their prior life. It's often described as flashing before them like on a screen. I saw an image that flashed into my mind, and I was 11 years old, and I was kneeling at a... Uh, church summer camp. Man, I was sincere. I was reliving every moment. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life. And everything I had did in secret and open, good or bad, everything, every detail of my life was flashing right before me. I'm seeing these, these moments from my life, like I'm watching them. And it was the moments I had with my dad, growing up, throwing the football, just being a kid just a son and his father. Trailers are by far the best way of creating excitement for movies. The big screen, the THX sound, the smell of $19 popcorn. Did you know that 
Movie trailers have an unspoken time limit. In 2014, the National Association of Theater Owners, also called NATO, established guidelines that state trailers should be no more than two minutes long. Distributors are given one exception per year for a movie they believe that will uh, justify them uh, surpassing the limits. However, most movie trailers show about eight trailers uh, before a movie, equaling about 20 minutes or so. Uh, I know personally because I hate being late for the movies. My wife always says, don't worry, there's 20 minutes worth of trailers. Anyone want to guess what the longest movie trailer ever was? Five minutes? 10 minutes? 15? Okay, let's play a game. Families at home, raise your hands. Hit us up in the chat if you want to. How many say five minutes? Five minutes. Hands up. Let's see. Five minutes. Okay. How many say 10 minutes? 10 minutes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Some of y'all are holding out. You really think 15 minutes? Let's see a show of hands. How many people think that the longest movie trailer ever was 15 minutes? Wow. Okay. Okay. So if you guess five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, you're all wrong. It was a trick question. Of course it was a trick question. The longest movie trailer ever was seven hours long. No lie. <laughs> no lie at all. Swedish artist Anders Weberg made a seven hour long movie trailer for his experimental film, I'm Beyonce. Tanya, slow down. Not Beyonce, I'm Beyonce. The movie has a runtime of 730 hours. Yep, I can't make this stuff up. Do the math. That's like 30 days. Okay, don't click from this service to go Google it. The movie is not going to be released until, um, I think about December 31st this year. There will be synchronized screenings all over the globe at the exact same time, that's what synchronized means, before the movie will be destroyed forever. Okay, so I gotta be honest. I snuck out on Vimeo and I watched about a few seconds of the trailer. If this movie was playing on screens in heaven and I had all eternity to watch it, I probably would rather watch Heavenly Paint Dry. Did you know that people who have had near-death experiences speak of movies in heaven? Be okay, before you go there, they are more than likely not going to be like your favorite blockbuster films at the theater, but rather they will be like a film that you directed with your life. Every word said, every decision made, live and in HD for all heaven to see. Did you know that Dutch cardiologist Pim Van Lommel said, a life review is usually experienced in the presence of the light or a being of light during a panoramic life review. People experience not just their every action or word, but also every thought for their past life, and they experience the effects of their thoughts, words, and actions on other people. People can talk from people can talk for hours or even days about their life review, even though the cardiac arrest lasted only a couple of minutes. To be perfectly honest, most of us probably won't want to sit through our own movie. Why? I just don't think that people will be proud of their life's film, especially if it's on the screens in heaven. Sure, we have made some amazing memories here on earth. I know I have, but heaven is a whole nother thing entirely. This discussion brings up a very important theological question for us believers. How does judgment work? 
Let me be clear. What the indie ears say they experience is not ultimate judgment. We understand from the Bible that at the end of time, there will be two distinct judgment accounts. Rather, what these indie ears have experienced is a warning sign for their lives. Many of them recorded that they were living their lives all wrong. Catholic monk Thomas Merton said, people may spend their whole lives climbing a ladder of success only to find once they reach the top, the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. The indie ears claim they had an experience that their lives literally flashed before their eyes. Intimate details, small moments that seemed insignificant at the time, and they saw how their actions were intertwined with the lives of others. The things that they did directly impacted so many others. Some call their experience like a PowerPoint of their entire life being played before them, but God, I hope not. Can you imagine the irony of those who actually experienced death by PowerPoint, waking up in the presence of the Lord to a PowerPoint presentation? These NDE experiences help us to see the reality of judgment in the scripture. The apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth regarding motivation of the heart. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And Jesus warned, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then, then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, God looks at the heart and the motives of a person while we spend much of our lives making false trailers based on things that aren't really important because we want people to enjoy the movie of our lives. Christ, outline, Christ outlines a clear message. Live now for what really matters. It's the things that we don't often see as valuable that matters the most. Doing what God sees as important. Listen to Jesus' teaching about social status. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, and the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is essentially saying, charge it to my tab, and I will repay you for your deeds. Looking out for the vulnerable in the community is quite a paradigm shift for some of us. Let's look at some NDE experiences and how it shifted their thought process. In the life review, mine was from when I was born up to the present, moment by moment. Here's the nicest, kindest, most loving being I've ever met, holding me and supporting me. And now I began to experience Jesus and the angels, literal pain with watching scenes in my life. I saw myself turning completely away from God, church, all that, and becoming a person who decided that life was all about the biggest, baddest bear in the woods wins. 
I said to Jesus, uh, you're skipping the most important thing in my life. This is what I live for to get this award, Kentucky Artist of the Year. Big banquet in my honor and a big cash prize and everything. And uh, he said, that's not what we're here for you to see. That's not important. The whole emphasis was on people and not on things. Matter of fact, to boil it down to simple words, I was created to be a loving person. We did go through a life review and it was nothing like I would have imagined. One of the things we did was look at many, many, many events throughout my life. I had the most remarkable experience of seeing the impact an event had on me, on my little world, but then also on other people in the world. Again and again and again, I was shown that indeed it's true that beauty comes of all things. When you step outside your perception of the world around you, that everything creates great beauty. What you do matters. Jesus clearly taught us that to love God is the first and greatest commandment. All the things that we do to prove that we are important don't really matter to God. Of course, he gives us resources to steward and responsibilities here on earth. But what matters most to him is how and why you stewarded the things, the way that you did what you did. Was it to love God and love others? Or was it to glorify yourself? <clears throat> Scripture tells us that our deeds in heaven will be tested by fire. The bottom line is we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There is nothing like being in the presence of God and knowing that he's happy and that we'll be able to share in that happiness. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known, Christ said. Judgment will not be the same for everyone. It will happen and when it does, there will be no objections. Jeffrey Long observes that people who had near-death experiences generally noted that they were the ones who judged themselves. So Jeffrey is saying that most of the people said when they stood before God, they ended up judging themselves. Some have used this observation to say, see, there's no reason for judgment. Even in heaven, we only judge ourselves. But I don't think that's what Jeffrey was referring to or the in the ears. I think it was more along the lines of a picture being painted here. We judge ourselves because we see the righteous standard and know that we've been busted. There is no need to try and deny it. It's like going, uh, going to court and they got video evidence of you and you still trying to lie your way out of it. I don't know. There's somebody who looks like me. When we stand before God, we will be dead, cold, busted, and we will know that we cannot deny it. And because of his standard, we'll judge ourselves. Maybe that's why Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted or by your words, you will be condemned. You see, these NDEers escaped with a warning. They got a second chance and we should learn from their second chance. You see, I wanna speak about two distinct judgments at the end of time so that we will know what we'll be entering into before we leave this earth. First is the white throne judgment. 
God is going to sit on his eternal throne in his heavenly court and judge based on certain criteria. The white throne judgment will be based on rejecting or receiving God's free gift of love, forgiveness, adoption, and salvation purchased through Christ. The judgment is not based on merits or accolades. It's not based on how good you think you are or how good of a person you think you've been. It boils down to one simple thing. What did you do with the knowledge of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins? You see, the entire human race will be a part of this white throne judgment. Every single person who's ever existed, whether you believe in Christ or not, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Because, listen, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. No one will be in heaven flexing like they deserve to be there. And so at the white throne judgment, God is going to separate those who have given their heart and their lives to Jesus and said, you know what? I accept his substitutionary death on the cross. And then he's going to separate the others and he's going to tell them to depart from his presence. The second judgment is going to be amongst those who have eternity to spend with God. The second judgment is called the Bema Seat. This judgment is not based upon what you did with Christ. Rather, this judgment is based on how you participated in God's plan. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Those who have placed their eternal fate in the hands of Jesus will experience this judgment. The word judgment here is translated in the Greek to the word bema, which actually was a platform uh, and or the judge's seat at the ancient games like the Olympics, uh, like the Olympic judge stand. And there the judges would award gold or silver medals or crowns in their day for a well-run race. Say that fast 15 times. It's a judgment for rewards. God will reward every faithful act, deed, even motives there at the Bema Seat. The standard is different at the Bema Seat. The judge is judging differently. Again, this is not for making a declaration of faith in Jesus' work on the cross. Rather, this is what you have done as a believer. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. God absolutely has a plan for our lives, for us to do the things that he requires of us. It's unfortunate that we act like his plan is insignificant. We are often caught up in what Paul calls civilian affairs, things that really shouldn't impact or concern us as much as they do, but they affect us in such ways because it's, it's, it's a telling tale who we really desire to serve. And in most cases, it's ourselves. You know, God's plan within the body of Christ reminds me of the times when we used to assign chores to our kids. One kid always wanted to do what somebody else was assigned to do. We give one kid the duty of loading the dishwasher and another kid the duty of sweeping. And they'd be like, wait, no, it's my turn to sweep. I wanted to sweep. No, I don't like loading the dishwasher. 
Can I please go clean up the living room? No, listen, I can imagine God is in heaven speaking to some of us. Will you please just do what I told you to do? Will you please just go and do what I'm asking you to do? You know, some argue against this notion that there will not be different degrees of reward in heaven. However, there is quite a bit of evidence in scripture that speaks about rewards. See your savior comes. See his reward is with him. The text also says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And there he will reward each person according to what they have done. Can you imagine the day God is going to reward or Christ has promised to reward every person personally is going to be awesome. I recently graduated with no fanfare. Yep, it was this Tuesday morning during the chapel at my school. The school had students send in clips about the time spent there and they were going to create a video montage to play during this chapel service, honoring the students. And guess what? I spent 30 seconds on my video and it didn't even make the cut. You might be saying, Sean, get over yourself. But I was a little disappointed. I mean, five years graduating with the highest honors. I don't know, this is some Greek word, summum cum laude or something like that. You see, it was a big thing for me to make the graduation ceremony, but then it got canceled because of COVID-19. And so they said that they would do some type of honoring online. It would have been one thing for me to make it through and barely make it by the skin of my teeth and be honored for graduating. But it's a whole nother thing to be acknowledged for academic excellence that distinguishes me from a D student. I was ready to turn up. Do you know how challenging the last five years have been to juggle school, church planning, and all the other various things that I do? You see, the D student, they were gonna graduate, but me, I was gonna graduate. Do you see the difference? They were gonna graduate. I was gonna graduate. You see what I'm saying? I'm gonna put it on screen for you. They were going to graduate. I was going to graduate. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you are really doing too much right now. Hmm, I really don't think so. You see, the Apostle Paul shares this imagery with us when talking about judgment for our works. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Listen, don't just be okay with being invited. Do everything within your power to be that masterpiece that God created you to be. Run like you want to win. Can you imagine living your life with enough desire to be exactly what God wants you to become? Think about what your life would look like if you had that type of desire. Think about the changes that would occur in your life if you would be totally devoted to accomplishing God's will in your life. Really think about that for one moment. If you put the same amount of energy that you put into your workout routine or your makeup or your, or, or, or your hair or the way that you look or your car or your house or your career or your relationship or your video games or your hobbies. Think about if you put that much work into wanting to be like Jesus created you to be. Really think about it for a moment. You see, I want to address a couple of groups of people in the next few moments. If you haven't committed to learning about the sacrifice 
that Jesus made so that you can escape God's judgment, I really like you to contemplate yourself in the crosshairs of a powerful being who is judging with the notion of punishing. And despite your best efforts, you will not be able to persuade him that he cannot judge you. You simply won't be equipped to face him. Because some people are going to face judgment through the lens of what happened to Jesus on the cross. That's the very reason that he had to come and die. Imagine what the alternative to heaven with Jesus will look like. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. I'm going to give you a few more moments to ponder that. And then after, and then in a few minutes, I'm going to circle back around and tell you what we believe the solution is in a few moments. And to the second group of people, you are believers in Christ and you have committed your life to living for him, but feel that you consistently fall short. And perhaps you are okay with falling short because you know there will be grace extended towards you when the day of judgment comes. And for now, you just want to do you. To you guys, I say, our lives were indeed created for living eternally. However, it is also created for you to do the work here, here that lasts. You need to live like your life makes a difference. We all know Harriet Tubman, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Dr. King, the Apostle Paul, who were all ordinary people with, extraordin with an extraordinary call. But how many of us know Hudson Taylor, Corey Ten Boom, Blaise Pascal, Dwight Moody? They are definitely lesser known than the first list of people that I noted, but that's kind of the point. They are just as much normal people with an extraordinary gift that they have simply chosen to use. They are just like me and they're just like you, but they decided that they would live a life that matters. So I'm asking the second group, just like I'm asking the first group to make a decision, I'm asking the second group, make a decision today to take the next step in your faith journey. Live for something that is greater than yourself. And if you are part of the first group, we want to give you the opportunity to learn more about Christ and what placing your trust in him truly means. You can email us at elders at anycommunity.church and we would love to start a dialogue with you. If you're a part of that second group, we want you to commit your life to living with him in his principles and in his tenets of how to live your life. We want you to have the opportunity of working alongside him and not just trying to be a good person, but be who he, but be who God has created you to be by allowing him to mold you into the masterpiece that you are because your life matters and how you live it matters. I'm speaking to both groups. How you live your life matters. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being an awesome God and meeting us here and in the various places that we congregate this morning. Father, we pray for a fire and a desire in our hearts to serve you with all that we have, with all that we are, God. 
with every fiber of our being, Lord. We pray that you will communicate to us, Lord, how we could be more like your son, Jesus Christ. How we can be people who live lives that matter. God, we want to stand before you and hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lord, we want to be like drink offerings poured out. That when we stand before you, God, we left nothing here on planet Earth. That with our last breath, Lord, we will serve you and seek to bring you glory. Lord, we just don't want to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, we want to yearn for your kingdom, O oh God. We want to pray fervently for your kingdom, O oh God. We want to despise the things that despise you, oh God. We no longer want to be a people who are lackadaisical and just kind of anecdotally follow you, oh Lord. We want to follow you with all that we are, oh God. Give us strength to stand in the midst of troubling times. Give us wisdom to love people like you love them, Lord God, and lead them into a relationship with you. Father, we love you. We give you glory. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Listen, Christ wants to be a part of your life. We reciprocate him wanting to be a part of our life by dedicating ourselves to the relationship that he so desperately desires. We cultivate the relationship with him by reading his word to learn more about him and what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live and engaging in Christian community. And so today I appeal to you to get involved in a local church. If you're involved in a local church, I appeal to you to, to uh, engage in life groups and do life with other people. I know it's hard to gather right now, but there's other means of gathering. There's Zoom, there's Google Meets, there's there's band, there's, there's so many ways to interact. Life was not meant to be lived alone. And it was not meant to be wasted on things that God has not called us to do. We need to hear that today, church. Because we're all going to stand before God. And we're all going to be held accountable for what we did with our Christian lives. Listen, I love you guys. Next week is the final week of What's After ATX, where we will talk about the reality of hell. It's a hard topic because some of us want to explain it away, but you won't want to miss it. I'll be as accurate to the scripture. I won't add conjecture, but I'll bring scripture and show you how much Jesus actually talked away, talked about outer darkness, about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Invite a friend. And in closing, let's be a people who strive to live a life that lasts long after we're gone from this planet. Listen, I love you guys. Hope to see you next week. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.